For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi and welcome to The Rock Podcast. For those who have faith in God, no matter what kind of trouble we're facing, it's win-win. Either God is going to save us from the whole ordeal, or He's going to walk with us through it. One way or another, there's victory in store. That's the author's point here in Hebrews chapter 11 as he wraps up his exhortations to grow in faith. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, Delivered From or Delivered Through. Fourth of July was always a big deal in our family growing up, as it is for most kids. It was all about the fireworks, of course, right? And summer wasn't summer without fireworks. So we had our favorite place to go, and we couldn't wait for it to get dark enough, you know? And uh, then, of course, that first streak that goes up into the sky and announces, oh, right, we've got fireworks. And the beautiful explosion of color, you know, the follow-up boom that all the kids wait for, you know, uh, just love that. And uh, you always knew, though, when it was time to wrap things up, the grand finale, right? And and it was bittersweet. It's like, here comes a big (laughs) burst of wow, but, you know, one firing on top of the other one and just bright explosions, uh, each one topping the next one, and a lot of oohs and ahs, but then you knew, you know, it'd be time, it's over, silence, time to get back in the car, go home, take a bath, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what kids don't want to do. But what, what a way to go out, though, in that wonderful display. And, and, and you know, as we wrap up things in, in the chapter here, uh, Hebrews 11, I, my mind went back to fireworks in the grand finale because it's the grand finale. He's been listing uh, one by one examples of Old Testament heroic faith, right? And so one by one, they've been, you know, beautiful, right? But now we got two paragraphs and, and, and a finale of just explosions. What about this guy? What about this guy? Oh, what about when they did this? What about when they did that? Boom, boom, boom. Just a beautiful, awesome display of light and, and beauty and a little bit of danger as well. You know, when you got gunpowder and, and fire, <laughs> there's a dramatic boom, you know. Somebody could get hurt when you're playing with those kinds of things. And so that's what he's going to fill the page with these dramatic illustrations of faith. And what was the purpose? The purpose was look at these guys, imitate their faith. They had it bad or or even worse than you had it. But look what faith worked in them and through them. So the sudden burst is now closing out the chapter. Here we go, verse 32 to the end of the chapter. And he says, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, 
whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And others, by the same faith, tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sought in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God has planned something better for us so that only together with us and our suffering would they be made perfect. So those are our two, they're kind of two groups. I want to call them the group that got delivered from and the group that got delivered through. You see? But the, the, the great thing about it is they divide in the middle of a verse, which I just think the Holy Spirit threw in just for a, for a treat, because they're the same people. It's the same God. It's the same faith. There are two different outcomes in this life, but in the next, it's always a yes and always a deliverance. And so we're going to walk that fine line of trying to figure out faith and what does that mean to believe God for something and it doesn't happen? And, and there's category B. There's category A, delivered from or out of. The all caps answered for deliverance, yes. <laughs> the happy ending. And then there's category B, where there's a yes, but on the other side, of a no, we're going through this for the glory of God, for his great purposes. So, but you know what? I'm going to entitle this message win-win because whether you're in category, let's call them category A, category B. Now, how many of you uh, want to be in category A? Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> I, I already know. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about this. Well, I'm going to just tell you right now, it's a mix of A and B through everybody's life. And the point of the faith chapter is that when you have faith in Christ, you have eternal life. And it's a win-win in A or B. But we're going to take a look at group A right now. The winners who by faith were delivered from. Let's isolate those verses for you there. All right. So he, he goes on to say, and, and, and what more can I say? I mean, he's already listed, what, a dozen or so uh, people, uh, men and women, who showed us exemplary faith and, and faced terrible odds, and, and, and God had done a, a beautiful thing. But, I, you know, here we go. We've got six names. Uh, they span 400 years uh, they're, uh, they're not in any chronological order, uh, but there are a lot of power faith moves in it. 
and there are a lot of happy endings. Uh, so he starts by saying, you know, I really don't have time to, to, to go where I want to go. And I was so, so comforting to know that I'm not the only preacher who has to cut it shorter than I would have liked to because of time constraints or the attention span of the audience. <laughs> His point is this. You want somebody to inspire you in faith? Open up the scroll, put down your finger, and start imitating them. That's who we are with the people of God. We have faith. That's, that's how we please God. That, that's, that's everybody you read about in the Bible who's going to be heroic has this stuff called faith. Then there's no shortage. He starts the paragraph by saying, you know what? I could go on for days. I could be picking names, and, and so, he's, so he starts choosing them. And, and they're not in any chronicle, uh, chronological order because he's just picking names and saying, oh, remember him, remember him, remember him, and, and there they are. I have them for you, isolated. Let's look at them. There's six guys who span uh, 400 years, as I told you. There are four judges here. Before they had kings, they had guys called judges, and one gal called the judge, Deborah, right? So four judges, one king, and the first of the prophets, Samuel, and then he throws in the whole group of prophets, prophets, and he says, and the prophets, which counts for about 20 names that we know of. So now the awesome thing about these heroes is, is that no, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing to intimidate any ordinary sufferer for Christ to aspire to be like them because their lives are so ordinary. God chooses the foolish things in this world to confound the wise. He takes the weakest things to bring to nothing the things that this world is all enamored with, you see? And so these are people that we could relate to, so he brings them up. Let's start with Gideon. Note takers, uh, Judges chapter six through eight for the whole story. Here's a guy that the lesson is limited resources is irrelevant when you have faith in God. It just doesn't matter. The angel of the Lord shows up to, the, to this guy and says, hey, how's it going, man of mighty courage, you warrior, you? And he looks around, Gideon's like, uh, who are you talking to? Because uh, I'm the weakest guy in my, of all my relatives, and I'm the most insecure guy. I've got doubts already. Who are you? I mean, let me lay a fleece right now. I mean, this guy, he, he, so he's going to lead 300 of not the best pick either, 300 guys against 135,000 fierce Midianites. And what are they going to have for their weapons? They're going to have a torch in a clay jar, and they're going to sound some trumpets. And they win. <laughs> if that guy, with a little bit of faith, can rout a foreign army like that, what about you facing your troubles? You know, that's the lesson number one. Uh, then we've got Barak. Judges 4 and 5 is where his story is. He's a commander. He's very devoted to the Lord, and he's going to gain a victory over the Canaanites, and they were famous for their 900 iron chariots, right? But uh, So he's going to save the day by faith. But we also know <laughs> that this is the guy who Deborah, the judge, 
tells her commanding military officer, hey, go in, the Lord's with us. He said, go take those Canaanites. And he says, only if you go with me. <laughs> really? And she says, I'll go with you as long as you don't mind giving all the glory to a woman because God will give all the glory to a woman the way you're behaving. And he says, by faith, he says, yeah, I'm okay with that. And so by faith, he shares a victory. But you see, these names are up here so that we can go, oh, well, if he and in that situation with their faith can come out on the other side with a shared victory, so uh, could I. So really, the lesson there is faltering courage can still win the day uh, when there's faith. Samson, okay, Samson, Judges 13 through 14, you know, he's the muscle man for God. You know, he's Fabio for Christ. <laughs> you know, I was going to show you a picture. I Googled Fabio, uh, but they were inappropriately <laughs> dressed, you know. For, you know, he's just the hair and the whole thing. And uh, yeah, so you get the picture, though. You know, um, Samson had a, a good prayer life and by faith, he depended on God for many colorful, beautiful victories, that guy, and his supernatural strength that God provided. But we also note that he never met a pretty Philistine girl that he didn't want to get to know better, right? <laughs> and he also pushed the envelope. He never reached his full potential. But by faith, he always bounced back. The lesson there. You're going to have highs and lows in your life, but when you have faith, you end on an upswing. That's the lesson there. Then you've got Jephthah. Judges 11 and 12 tell his story. He's a great warrior, impressive courage. He whips the Ammonites uh, into shape. He's devoted to God. But he, and we also note that he can be a little bit impulsive. And, and he'll speak before he's fully thought, thought everything through. And so he's famous for the, the thoughtless, rash vow that came out of his mouth that causes his daughter to forsake marriage and ending up not being able to marry. And, and, and then he stubbornly keeps a vow that he could have released because it was a foolish vow. So uh, the lesson there... Uh, our character flaws don't have to define us when we have abiding faith. Next in the list is King David, note takers, 1 Samuel 16, all the way through 1 Samuel, all the way through 2 Samuel, all the way to the end and beginning of 1 Kings chapter 1, <laughs> the life of this tremendous, remarkable uh, man of God, a man after God's own heart by faith. He loved God like nobody else in the whole world. Let's face it. He was like, God said, now that's a guy who's, he lives for my heart to please me, you know? But we note that he's not without his own secret, terrible struggle, Bathsheba. And he's not a very good father. He's got a parenting problem. But the lesson there is faith in God will ultimately erase the bad 
and immortalize the good by faith. Now look, we don't really necessarily like that when it comes to other people, <laughs> but we love it when it's about us, erasing the bad and immortalizing the good. Well, how can God just erase all that bad? Oh, really? How about you? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I know how he could do it by the grace of God. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd change your mind. Um, Samuel, Samuel's this, this man of integrity and wisdom. He's guiding them through the darkness. Oh, the prayers. He's famous for the intercession. This first great prophet, this last great judge. He's kind of the best of both worlds. He's the bridge before the monarchy. But we also know that he had some private problems and in the home. He had a soft spot with his two boys. He couldn't tell them no. He didn't want to ever hear them say, Dad, I hate you. You know, and so he let them do their own thing because, you know, it's better to be their best friend than their disciplinarian. Not. <laughs> and God dealt with them about that. The lesson there, even though we have our private personal struggles at home, it doesn't prevent God from using our lives if we have faith, saving faith, to impact others for him. So there they are. You know, all these men are imperfect. One writer put it this way. Um, all these men, imperfect as they were, had an abiding faith in God that enabled them to do great things and be great men despite their human flaws. The writer is saying to his Hebrew brothers and sisters in Christ who are taking some heat for their Christian walk and their love for Jesus, hey, look at what God can do with imperfect, fearful, insecure men who are wrestling back their own sinful desires, having highs and lows as leaders and as fathers. But by faith, they persevered. And God blessed them. And you will too. And he will bless you as well. And so... That's the first layer of encouragement is just the pick. Just pick those names, you know, uh, that reminds us, no, hey, listen, you are not disqualified from the list because of your brokenness. Everybody here has a story and everybody has a public story and a private mess. You're not disqualified. You're not disqualified. Have the faith because faith will somehow pick you up in its strong arms and carry you across the finish line. Mess and all. You'll go from zero to hero with faith. With faith. And then he throws in the tagline. I like in the verse, you can see it hanging there. He says, uh, and the prophets. And the prophets. And so you got to think about Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, not to mention the 12 minor Prophets and minor because they're shorter, not because they're less significant. And you already knew that. So, so as we go on, maybe the Hebrews were hurting and, and and experiencing their own wavering and asking God for more faith and you know want someone to hold their hand in the battle. You know, tempted to act out. It's just like them, just like the guys. Now. Up next are nine exploits, anonymous. But we kind of know who they're tied to, but they come at us one through nine, and they're three sets of three. 
in the Greek. And so we'll take the first three here that starts with conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised by faith. They did that. Now, it seems that those six names, this is related to them because that's what happened with those six lives. They conquered kingdoms. Um, something that all six really could say happened with them. I like what Psalm 27 verse 3 says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. And by faith, they saw this literally fulfilled in their lives. I like the second one here, coming on the heels of conquered kingdoms. Administer justice, because anybody can conquer a kingdom, really. I mean, if you got enough guns, if, you're, if you get much of the electoral vote, you get in. But not everybody can administer justice to, to promote goodness, to uphold morality, to watch out for the oppressed, and to do what's right, and not to uh, acquit the guilty and condemn the innocent. See, by faith, these leaders who were like David and Solomon would qualify, and also eight of the 20 Judean kings were good. They administered justice by their faith. And then also they gained what was promised. So those six names, if you did a study, you, you could see God making them personal promises, all six of them. And all six of them, exactly what God promised, because they had faith, they didn't back down, in their brokenness, weakness, limping along, especially Samson, limping along in the right direction, they got exactly what God said he was going to do. And so the second set here uh, seems to have moved on from the six because we know who they're talking about. It's not the six, really. Primarily, you could say these generally are true of almost every believer, but we know who we're talking about here with shut the mouths of lions by faith. Well, who was that? Well, guess what? Guess where we are Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m.? It's Daniel chapter six. It's time for those lions to cuddle up with Daniel. And they cuddle up with him and their mouths are shut because of faith. I love my favorite line is there when Darius, who didn't want to see it happen, comes down in the morning and he says, Daniel, has your God who you serve night and day been able to keep you from the mouth of the lions? And he throws open the doors and then he says, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. That's where that verse comes from. I love what it goes on to say. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. That was literally true for him. And it is spiritually always true, whether you're an A or B, which we're going to see uh, coming up here. So he's saying, Hebrew Christians taking it on the jaw for Jesus. Listen up, stand strong. Keep the faith, face the lions, and you won't be harmed, even if, even if. Uh, the second one, quench the fury of the flames. Of course, he went to Daniel in his mind and said, oh, don't forget about his three friends, right? Uh, you know them as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. That's their pagan names. Their Jewish God-given names, really, is Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. Now, I just got to 
pause with that story because that's such a great story. We just went through it in great detail two weeks ago. The king says, essentially, bow down when you hear the music to the golden statue of yours truly. <laughs> bow down and everything will be cool. They say, no way, no can do, we're Jews, all right? I'll, I, and then he says, then I'll throw you in the fire pit alive. Then what, God? For implying, then what, God's going to be able to save you then? And here comes the answer as we talk about all the time. They say, hey, king, oh, king, the God we serve can, and we think he will. But even if he doesn't, and that's the attitude, if, if I'm in group A and he does, or if I'm in group B and he doesn't, we're still not going to bow because it's win, win, whichever group I'm in. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right, so what is he saying? You say, uh, yeah, oh, wow, I got to tell you, Nebuchadnezzar looks in there. Uh, they get thrown in. They're walking around. The ropes burn. Nothing else burns. But yeah, wait, there's more. There's more, literally. There's another guy in there. And Nebuchadnezzar says, what? Am I losing my mind? Count them up, boys. One, two, three, four. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. Oh, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> so we learn a lesson. Face the fire, you guys. You're going to come out not even smelling like smoke. And while you're in there, listen, he's in there with you, A or B. And everybody, when we get to heaven, we don't smell like smoke. So it's a promise. It's a promise to everybody. And then, thirdly, escape the edge of the sword. Oh, this is a great one. I mean, they were a lot of Old Testament characters were slated for execution, and they just kept escaping that sword. You know, how about Rahab, little Miss Rahab? She, she had execution written all over her. The whole city went up, except her and her family and whoever had faith. So by faith that they escaped the sword. I mean, you could talk about Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah. They were all noted for escaping the sword as well. Uh, and so, you know, these Hebrews who are listening could be saying, what about when those swords strike? What about then? Well, we're coming to that. We're coming to that. The last set of the happy ending of group A's, uh, accomplishments achieved by faith, is a weakness turned to strength. Well, that's a hard one to pin down because practically, uh, you know, all of the above uh, in the entire Bible, that's how, God, that's how God works, right? Let me read this verse I have written down here. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes, or powerful, or wealthy, when God called you. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those who are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important so that, we, that no one could ever boast 
in the presence of God. Weakness turned to strength. Paul, the apostle, caught on that God likes to do that, right? And he said, you know, I had this problem. It was nasty and evil from the pit of hell. Three times I asked God, oh, take it away. Get rid of this thing. Oh, Lord, deliver me from it. And three times the Lord said the same thing to me. My grace is enough. I'm going to bring you through this one. This one I'm not taking away. And God's got all his reasons, and they're always good, and they're always for your good and his glory, and for the world to look on and be drawn to salvation. It's win-win, whether you're going through it or he takes it from you. Just that everybody wants the A instead of the B. And so weakness turned to strength. So therefore he said, you know what? So now when I have weakness, I get kind of excited. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm paraphrasing. He says, you know what? I get kind of happy. He says, I delight. He also says, I boast about not my strengths, but I start boasting about my brokenness, my weakness, the things I can't do, because when I do that, I know that his power is being made perfect in my weakness. For when I am weak, oh, then God comes on board and he starts flexing his muscles. So he says, I prefer that. I'd rather be put, listen, at a disadvantage and have God come to my aid than me all of glorying in self-strength and my ability to uh, carry this through. That's the, that's the glory there. Uh, number two is becoming powerful in battle, routing foreign armies. My favorite one is the unarmed Israelites who are fleeing a world superpower. We talked about this. You know, the waters have uh, divided, and God starts messing with that army. And, and the wheels on the chariots did more than go round and round. They, they went round and round and off and off. And here's what they said. Let's get out of here, Egyptians. Their God is fighting for them. And they start fleeing. So, so they became powerful in battle, routing foreign armies. How? Because they had weapons of mass destruction? I don't think so. They were wandering meanderers through a desert with some chickens, you know? <laughs> and the foreign armies go bye-bye. Well, the happy endings are going to conclude here. Now, number nine, women receive back their dead. Kind of, that's kind of the happiest of all, right? And we're thinking about two ladies in particular. Note takers, 1 Kings 17 would be one. The widow who lived in Sidon. Uh, who helped Elijah during the drought. And in return for the favor, her boy got sick and he raised that boy from the dead by faith in the Lord. In 2 Kings 4, the second woman who received back her dead, the Shunammite woman, you'll recall that she and her husband built like a, uh, a little apartment upstairs on the roof for this prophet Elisha, when he came through, he could rest and be refreshed. And the Lord, from her kindness, she couldn't have children, enabled her to give birth to a son. Well, when he was five years old, kind of around kindergarten age, 
he, he's wandering around and he, and he comes in and he says, my head, my head, my head. And she takes him up in her arms and upon the lap, he dies by faith. She calmly takes the boy, goes upstairs and lays him on the prophet's bed. <laughs> and then she goes downstairs and she says, honey, I'm going to go take a trip to, to get the prophet. She, he goes, is everything okay? Everything fine in there? And she says, yes, dear, it's fine. So she makes her way to Mount Carmel to the seminary to get the man of God. <laughs> and the man of God sends out somebody and says, hey, is she okay? You know, find out if she's okay. Are you okay? Is everything good? The kid okay? Everything fine? She says, everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. Ooh, faith. <laughs> right? By faith. So he comes, you know the story, and she received back her dead. Now, so yeah, the Hebrew Christians, they're listening to all of this. They're in group B, all of them. None of them are in A. His audience is in group B. He's telling them things like, uh, hey, by, uh, by faith, armies ran the other way. They're thinking, what about us? We're the ones running for our lives. Tell us, what are you telling us by faith? They're going to stop chasing us down? No. You've told us, hey, by faith, the mouths of the lions were shut. Hey, we've got friends. We've got friends who the mouths devoured. We have friends who went to the Colosseum. What are you telling us? about the mouth that got shut by faith. Are you saying that we just need to have more faith and Rome will stop throwing us to the wild animals? No, not saying that. By faith, you're saying the flames went out, but you know what? <laughs> we have friends who have lit with their own bodies Nero's garden. That's what he used to do to people like you and me. We'll put you on a little pole We'll dip you in wax and we'll light you on fire. So you're just telling us by faith that the flames went out. <laughs> We're seeing the flames burn our friends alive. By faith, will that stop it? No, he says, let me keep writing. And then he says, and others. We can read it again. And others tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Oh, okay. All right, now, now we're trying to get, make sense of this. So at least we can fit ourselves in the story of faith. Some faced jeers, flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned and sodded too, so they were executed. There was no happy ending there in life to the visible naked eye. They went about... Poorly clothed, sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. You see? So now he's saying their faith and your faith, the same faith, the same God, the same power to deliver ultimately salvation. This is about 
salvation because that's what faith in God is. Faith in God, tell me the truth. Is faith in God primarily about getting me out of trouble here? Is that what faith, of God, faith in God's supposed to do, is to heal me of all my diseases? Is that the purpose? God gave me faith and salvation. It's all about anytime I get deathly ill, that every single time, that, that's the reason. That, that, the, the faith in God is about eternal realities of being whole and safe and alive and not condemned. That's the point of faith. Faith, the degree of suffering, and whether we are delivered out or kept from or whether we go through life at its worst is irrelevant. This is the point. Oh, don't miss this transition. This is the point. By faith, we have eternal salvation. It's irrelevant how things look to the naked eye if we go have to go through these terrible things because Faith puts us in a place that transcends earthly, temporal situations. Now, how am I supposed to think about this? You know, I want to be an A, right? But sometimes it's B. Sometimes it's a little A and a little B. How do I know if it's going to be a B? Well, you'll know. (laughs) I don't think you'll have any questions if it's, I mean, you pretty much see how it's headed, right? Three Times he asks, God, please, 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 please. And obviously, the answer was obvious to him. The answer is my grace. We're going through this one, right? Uh, how am I supposed to think? Well, there are other times. Paul says, hey, to the church at Philippi, pray for me. I'm in prison. But I know because of your prayers that God was going to release me and I'll be restored to you. Uh, that is primarily, I think, how we should always pray. I think God wants us to believe for his temporal, because it is temporal down here, the temporal kind of temporary intervention, the happy ending, the resolve that would make sense in a world that we don't want to experience pain and loss and suffering. I think that's right to do with the caveat of, but nevertheless, your will be done. So in other words, Paul said, hey, pray for me. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be restored. I think God's going to open the gates and I'm going to come through. But he said earlier, whether by life, whether by death, I'm going to glorify God. It's win-win. If he does like the Hebrew young men who said, our God is able, we think he's going to, we're certainly praying that that will happen. But even if he doesn't, oh, there's the classic way of balancing our theology. And did not Jesus, our Lord, teach it this way when he said, Father, take this cup away from me. Take this cup away is the prayer. It's okay to pray that. It's okay to believe that. But you've got to have the faith to be able to say, he may say, we're going through. I'm not taking the cup. You need to drink it. So Jesus says, but nevertheless, your will. Because your will is good and right and good for me and good for them and brings glory to you. Nevertheless, you've got to have a nevertheless. And, And a nevertheless isn't a lack of faith. You know, it's like, it's a, I gotta believe, I gotta believe. It's gonna do it. 
A friend of mine called that holding God hostage to his promises. We don't do that. We say, Lord, I believe you can. I'm hoping you will. I'm believing you will. In the back of the mind, I don't even think you need to always say it, depending on who you're trying to encourage. In the back of everybody's mind should be, but if you don't, it's win-win. Because look, it depends on what part of the world you are. If you're in A or B, there are people who demographically live their faith out in B. That's all they'll ever know is B. They never get an A. Because they're Christians living in the Slavic nation. For example, try bringing your prosperity faith gospel there. It's not going to work. And it doesn't work in India or half the other places that I've traveled. It just doesn't work because there are demographically B sections on the entire planet. And the first 300 years of Christianity was all B, no A's. Maybe small little A's here and there, right? It was 300 years of, you don't worship Caesar, you die. Pinch the incense and say, Caesar is Lord. 300 years, the first 300 years of the little seedling, fledgling church that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And it didn't. But they were all bees. 300 years of bees. Terrible. Wonderful, beautiful, awesome, dangerous. Same God, same faith, same deliverance, but nevertheless. So don't you be saying, you know, now I can't believe that God's going to spring me out of this and now I'm all confused because, you know, just stop. (laughs) If God puts it on your heart, and you have lots of little confirmations about something, I've got a couple of those right now. I'm saying, I believe you. It's going to happen. I have that. In the back of my mind, I say, nevertheless, God, I know that. And if it starts to go like the nevertheless, oh, if you have right theology, you're freed up from this big fall of disappointment and bitterness and how could God, if God, and it says right here, I have a friend in chemo. I just sat with him last week. It doesn't look good. The doctor said six months. He says, I refuse to hold God hostage to the promises. You shall save me by your stripes. I'm healed. And then let my kids watch me go into hospice and die. And then I've stumbled them and everybody else around me. Christians die. We die. Ultimately, you're all going through B. (laughs) Just get over it. Unless he appears and you're alive at the time, that's the only way. And, And of course, we're all hoping for that as well. And maybe that will happen. But if it doesn't, There is going to be something that is going to come your way and take you out. Period. You better be ready for it because it will be the nevertheless. It'll be, oh, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, Lord, please. And then, boop, boop. That's that's how it's going to be. 
And if you've set your world up into God always has to make me happy and answer all my prayers and look, I got it underlined, underlined, underlined. And I, listen, I understand what you mean when you say I claim this. I get it. But you know, if my kids want to go to Disneyland when they were younger or still now older, (laughs) they don't come in and say, Dad, hey, Dad, we are going to Disneyland. We are going next week on Monday. We are going. I know we're going. And you're taking me there. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) That just makes me want to get in the car right now and spend $5,000 on a hot dog and a Coke. (laughs) So I could stand in line for three hours. Stop this nonsense, Father. I would love to go to Disneyland. What do you think? I will find some scriptures in here that that might be a good idea and that you might be into that. (laughs) It sure make me happy if we could work it out. But God, you know, I know you're busy. I know you're running the world, you know. (laughs) There are ways, you know. There are ways to deal with it. Let me ask you a few questions while I got you here. (laughs) Ready to be challenged? Put on your theological seatbelts because we're going to go for a ride. Let me show you a few pictures first. Oh, I didn't even explain this. Let me walk through this really fast. Okay, so gaining a better resurrection, you know what he's saying? He's saying, look, some of our believers went on the rack. This word means the rack. They were stretched out, beat, and martyred. They refused to be released, meaning they did not recant. They didn't renounce. They said, hey, listen, we'll unbuckle you anytime you just say, Caesar is Lord and Jesus is nobody. And they said, no can do, because they had their mind on a better resurrection than the two boys in paragraph A. Why is it better than the two boys that got, went back to mama? Because they have to die again. We're talking eternal realities, folks, about a death that would last forever called the second death. Ah, oh, that's a better resurrection. Now we're talking about eternal realities. Some face jeers, mockings, of course, flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Isaiah, the prophet, was hiding from his persecutors in the trunk of a tree. They found him, thought it was hilarious, and hauled the whole tree with him in the trunk part. And then they pulled it before uh, King Manasseh, who ends up getting saved later, but he's the worst king of all of them. And he says, you know what? I don't like what you're saying, Isaiah. Cut the log in two. And they saw the log that he was hiding in, in two, with Isaiah the prophet inside. He didn't need more faith. Isaiah does not need more faith. <laughs> they were put to death by the sword. Yeah, name them. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, meaning they were on the lamb all the time. So they didn't have proper clothes. So they had to go around like, oh, give me that goat skin and cover me up with a goat skin. 
They, they, they were displaced. They were homeless. They're wandering around. And he says, they couldn't live in little houses. They wandered around in deserts, mountain caves, holes in the ground. And then he says, they were commended for their faith. The world was not wor- worthy of them. I love what that means. It means, and I wrote this out, little quote somewhere. Humanity was not worthy of them. Society did not deserve to possess them. That is God's take on it. Group B, wandering around. So here are my questions now. All right, let me show you some pictures and then we'll close on a happy note. Oh, this isn't the happy note. This is death to the people of the cross, all right? Now, they're in group B. They're going through. They're going through. Let me assure you, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't be afraid of those who can kill you. They can only kill the body. He said, after that... (laughs) They can't do anything to the real you, to the eternal you. Rather, you should be fearing God who after the body's dead has power over who you really are and can cast you into hell or bring you into heaven. That's Jesus' words, Matthew 10, right? These are our brothers. They're going through. It's win-win. They're already with Next picture. Five churches blown up on Christmas Day in the Islamic country. What do you tell them? You're in B. You're going through. Anybody who died? So, so my question is, is faith about safeguarding your possessions here Or is it about safeguarding possessions in heaven where no human aggression can touch? See, what is the purpose of faith? Is the purpose to keep your cars and your churches and your clothes and your life comfortable? Is that the purpose of faith? No. Does it often result in helping us with those things? Yes. What's the purpose of faith? Faith of eternal life is that that this scene is irrelevant. It's win-win because our life doesn't consist in cars and church buildings and clothes in the life to come. Next picture. Pastor Saeed, he's been languishing in a prison in Iraq, the one of the worst ones. He's an American-born guy from Idaho. Went to do some work, and they threw him in jail for proselytizing. He's still there. He's going through right now. We may see an A, but he's in B right now. The next one. I think there's only one more. Come on, they, they wander. There are thousands of your brothers and sisters displaced Uh, mainly by ISIS, sometimes by disease or or wars or other things, but ISIS is displacing 
thousands upon thousands of Christians who don't want to go this way. So they live and wander, and they all live under one big UN tent somewhere without clean water and hurting and suffering and babies crying and cholera and diseases. And, and he says, by faith, they're commended. Good job. You don't have a lack of faith. There's not a problem with you. You're a winner, but you're in group B. You're going through. You're going through. Thank you for those slides. I love the last two verses, 39 and 40, and then we're done. Get this, how he closes the whole chapter. These were all commended for their faith, the sufferers. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Here's what he's saying. You Hebrew Christians who are suffering under Roman persecution, he's saying, listen, all of these who we've been talking about, all those sufferers that I just mentioned, all of them died in faith. (laughs) Jesus hadn't even appeared yet and they lost their lives. Dying in faith, looking toward Messiah, right? But their, their story wasn't done yet. God was saying, oh, oh, hold on. There's a Messiah who's coming. He's going to die for the sins of the world. He'll rise again and birth another people. They're called the New Testament people of God, the church. And it'll be their turn to suffer. And their stories and their wanderings and their executions and their sheepskin, goatskin stories. You're not, you're not the only ones, Old Testament saints who suffered looking forward to the cross. Then the one, the Messiah comes, does his work, gives birth to your brothers and sisters. And together, the circle's complete. We suffer together as a family of God before the cross, after the cross, waiting for that blessed hope, the day he appears. And then our suffering will be finished. But he says, he's saying to the sufferers, you complete them. How is it that they're thinking, oh, well, we had to do all the suffering, building Judaism that is going to eventually fill the earth with Christianity. Judaism is the root. Israel's the root that supports Christianity <laughs> and flowers into Christianity. And they had to do all the suffering. Paul says, you guys, you're part of the picture. You're the brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side, and you're suffering with them, and then together. Oh, it's the family. We're in this together. The A's, the B's of the old, the A's and the B's of the new, and one day he appears, and it will be, you will never suffer Again, this is the closest to hell that any believer will ever get is today. (laughs) That's the closest to hell. And unfortunately, the closest to heaven that any unbeliever who remains in that state, that's the closest they'll be to heaven is in this life. But soon, like a mist, I'm telling you, in in a heartbeat, in a flash, in a moment, It'll be over, no more suffering, no more pain. And God with his own hand, God Almighty is going to reach out and touch your face and dry that last tear. 
where mourning and sorrow and death shall be no more for the old order of things has passed away. And that includes suffering. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just, we love you for the win-win of the gospel. We love you for coming through, Lord, and delivering us from, and we love you when we win because you deliver us through. We just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful eternal life. Give us the wisdom we need to, to live balanced with faith and suffering, to understand your will every time we're in a challenge, whether it's something that you want us to trust you to take away or something you want us to trust you walking through. Either way, Lord, we could do both at the same time. We thank you, Lord. You're awesome. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.